Hello everybody and welcome to the latest in our series of COVID-19 special episodes. So far, we have looked at the impact the lockdown has had on interior designers and the businesses they run, but we have not considered the global network of suppliers that support them and who enable them to create the functional and beautiful spaces that they do. In this episode, we have invited a distinguished selection of suppliers to share their thoughts with us. Between them, they cover a broad range of product types, from specialist interior finishes and handwoven textiles to international lighting, timber flooring and bespoke furniture. We find out how their supply chains have been affected by the pandemic and get their predictions for the shift in availability of product ranges for interior designers and their clients one year on from today. My name is Susie Rumbold. And my name is Jeff Hayward. Welcome to the Interior Design Business. So, what has been the pandemic's impact on suppliers and how will it change things for the future? We're going to hear from Fameed Kalik of Fameed Kalik, Chiara Prestigiacomo from Parada, Mark Abbott of Abbott and Boyd, Lisa Maybe from Melissa Lighting, Simon Myatt of Havwoods, Margot Selby from Margot Selby, Robert Knapp of Robert Langford, Miranda Kerwin from Tom Faulkner and Martin Bennett of Stereo Interiors. My name is Fameed Kalik and I run Fameed Kalik Limited. We supply quite possibly the largest range of surface materials to the interior design industry. The immediate impact of COVID on our supply chain has been very marked. Because we have suppliers all over the world, we've had to manage factories and workshops being locked down at totally different times. It's been a juggling act to keep on top of what is going on, where in the production and delivery cycle each order is, and then communicating that to our clients. Along with factory closures, we've had shipments being stopped in transit and then getting lost in transport warehouses. It's been quite the challenge. We're very fortunate in that we have an enormous array of samples in our showroom, um, quite possibly the largest collection anywhere, um, covering every kind of material that's possible. So we also have fantastic photography, so we've been able to service our clients in this period when everyone's been working from home by um, either um, sending them imagery of samples um, or indeed by um, sending them samples. We've been going in um, on the odd occasion and picking up samples and, and then uh, shipping them to clients. So we've still been able to help our clients get through this period um, and still be able to design. The challenges I foresee as uh, we begin to go back to work um, vary. Um, only this week I've spoken to three or four principals of uh, London design firms to find out from them when they are planning on um, getting their staff back to work. And it's, the, it's really varied from the end of May, beginning of June, all the way through to the end of June. Um, so that's going to be a challenge in, in managing that, that when do we open up our showroom um, so that we can be there for our clients. Um, the other challenges are going to be, of course, everyone's going to want to get their orders out of factories as quick as possible because projects are going to be um, um, now running late. Um, the knock-on effect, of course, is going to be that factories and workshops will be social distancing. So orders are going to take um, much longer to produce. So lead times will be stretched. Um, and I think that will go on until, um, until we have a vaccine, until the situation is, is, is finally over. One of the ways in which I think we'll be able to help clients who can't afford the longer lead times or where their projects need to end is that 
in fact, this week we've been able to, uh, on a project, take a particular product where it's now going to take too long to make and we've been able to substitute it for the client from something within our collections that's very similar but that's available from stock. And I think the fact that we have a lot of stock collections and items um, will give us an advantage in being able to help our clients in that way. I think the supply chain moving forward is going to be affected uh, significantly. Certainly, um, for the time being, factories are going to have to socially distance, so therefore production times are going to be much, much longer. But we're a creative industry, and I think people will find solutions around that, be that shift work. And, and I certainly think, looking further down the line, in a year or so, I think people will seek out um, smaller, more specialist suppliers that are perhaps more local. Um, we certainly have suppliers in England where there are smaller workshops where there's only two or three people. It's much easier for them to go back to work, to work safely and socially distance and still be able to supply product. And I think designers will look for more of those kinds of solutions. This is Chiara from Porada Ready UK. I'm the manager of the showroom in the design centre and I used to work for this company in Italy for eight years and moved to London three years ago. The Porada factory kept working until middle of March, when the Italian government closed all the non-essential productions. We always keep a wide range of stock in our warehouse, like tabletops, chairs, frames for side tables, etc., to try to reduce the lead time as much as possible and be able to grant a quick delivery if requested by the client. In fact, when the government gave the green light for the reopening of the furniture businesses, it was on the 4th of May, on the 8th of May, we loaded all the goods that were left on hold one month and a half ago. And for the same reason, we are still confirming our five to six weeks lead time on the new standard orders. Well, I need to make a quick forward to reply to this question. The main aim of a showroom, in my opinion, is to connect people and make them work together in a professional, friendly and also easygoing environment. What I personally love of this working reality is the contact I have with people being able to shake hands to them, to have a coffee with them while sitting on one of our sofas. Considering this, I think the main challenge for us as a showroom will be how to keep all this simple and beautiful humanity in what will now be seen as a physically closed environment where people will need to talk keeping distances and to be reassured that the showroom has been sanitized before they will enter. And I think the challenge for our interior design customers, apart from this one I just mentioned, would be to keep trusting the furniture companies too. Like me, for example, as a frequent flyer I'm doing with the airlines companies. But as I was saying to our clients and to few private clients I had the chance to talk to, our home is the most important place in the world and we need to be surrounded by things we love. Worst case scenario, like a pandemic, there might be few weeks delay in the delivery. When this unprecedented situation started, companies faced an initial supply shock. At the beginning of this time, people needed to think about what to do to keep them safe, first of all, rather than to buy some new clothes, for example. Then this was followed by an urgent supply shock. As we were all locked down and we wanted to get everything and immediately, it looked like uh, we couldn't wait. And supply chain at that point couldn't give us a positive and quick feedback. And I think here we have a great example of the fragility of the modern supply chain. Considering this, in my opinion, digitalization and diversification will play, will play a key role in the 2021 supply chain. 
as well as, of course, decentralization, because I think a lot of companies are already looking to bring production back home. Hello there, my name is Mark Abbott from Abbott and Boyd, and we import and distribute furnishing fabrics from France and Spain. And I started the business about 30 years ago now. For the supply chain, um, most of our white warehouses closed for three to four weeks, uh, but since April the 6th, all have been open anyway. So we've had relatively little um, disruption. The problem that we've had is that when customers have placed orders, if the destination here in the UK, curtain makers, upholsterers, flame proofers, are closed, um, then that has obviously prevented the shipment of the order. Uh, and as things start to reopen gradually, then we can start to, to, to fulfil the orders. But we're probably um, executing about 30 to 40% of the orders that we're receiving at the moment. The challenges um, that are going to be happening uh, that I foresee is obviously ensuring that the warehouses uh, are well stocked as fast as possible. Um, we're suggesting to many customers if an item is out of stock, uh, alternative fabrics, and that's actually worked quite well uh, because we have a number of fabrics which are sort of similar in style and quality and colour. So uh, we've been quite successful in finding alternatives for customers. Um, so getting the warehouses uh, full again um, and finding the, the capacity in the factories and design studios to be able to produce the September collections as well because obviously everything now has been concertinaed down just to a few months so it's going to be quite a challenge for our suppliers to, to be able to produce the new collections because by now uh, the new collections for September are all decided and the factories are producing them busily um, especially in, in anticipation for the August closures, which um, I imagine will also happen uh, again anyway this year. So the window now has become very, very small uh, to produce the collections for uh, September. So that, that definitely is a challenge. In terms of how the supply chain will be altered in one year, the main problem here is going to be those... Uh, factories um, that have possibly had serious problems even before the crisis hit, I'm talking about financial particularly, will they be able to survive? And not only is it the factories that manufacture the fabric, but also the, the um, suppliers behind them, so the people producing the threads and so on and so forth, uh, the people who dye, the people who finish the um, uh, products. So all this type of thing has to be taken into consideration. And um, unfortunately, it's very much a question of if the company was physically fit, um, healthy, financially, before the crisis hits, then they'll be in a much better position to survive. If they're not, then they could unfortunately be a casualty. And that will be the challenge for the supply in one year's time, I predict. Hi, I'm Lisa Maybe. I've been working in the lighting industry for over 30 years and run a specialist lighting company called Melissa Lighting Limited. We work closely with interior designers, helping out with the initial design concept specifying the luminaires and inevitably getting the packages to site on time and within budget. From our perspective, our supply chain will generally remain the same. We've always endeavoured to work with British and European manufacturers and our focus in the future will be to support and promote them even more. Quality lighting has always been at the heart of our supply chain together with good customer service. For example, our designer LED downlight has come with a seven-year guarantee 
They're fully recyclable, replacement drivers and light engines readily available, and everything is sourced and assembled in the UK, apart from the bezel. Knowing where and how products are made will become more important. We could see what was happening in Europe and ensured that orders were placed to cover our existing projects. The last consignment arrived from Italy two days before they were forced to close with large LED pendant rings for a hotel convention centre. We then went into lockdown and everything stopped. It was quite scary as business almost ground to a halt. British manufacturers closed, taking a couple of weeks to implement the new social distancing rules, reopening with reduced sales and office staff working remotely and skeleton production teams. European manufacturers reopened at the beginning of May and have taken a very similar approach. The International Lighting Fair is held at Frankfurt every two years. It was due to go ahead this March, was then postponed to September and unfortunately has now been cancelled. We'll have to wait till March 2022 to physically see the new lighting ranges due to launch. Going forward, projects will require more time, initially with the design process and then on-site construction. There will be a reluctance to travel and clients will continue working remotely, so using Zoom and Teams will be key to communicate and conduct meetings. Deliveries will be slower as demand increases. There may be a shortage of components, We've always held stock of our popular lines and we'll be introducing a ready-to-go range. Working with a variety of manufacturers gives us a greater choice of products to meet deadlines when required. It's essential to keep our clients updated with new products, so we're in the process of developing a series of newsletters and we'll use Instagram more frequently to add some inspiration. Hello, this is Simon Myatt from Havels International. I'm a specification consultant and I work with architects and interior designers on projects all around the world. Havels have seen very minimal negative impact on supply chain as a result of COVID-19. We have excellent supply opportunities and plentiful access to high volumes of production. We've remained fully operational. We've continued dispatching products. We're ready for the increase in demand as business returns to normal. We've, we've continued interacting, working with architects and interior designers via phone call, via email, but also via video calls. And the good news is that our showrooms are likely to reopen in the near future. And we're, we're well geared to allow for social distancing and PPE for clients and staff. Fortunately for us, our showrooms layouts already lend themselves to ensure user safety and red carpet treatment. I do think there may be a reticence to travel on public transport in the near future possibly so we're creating a mobile showroom experience vehicle that can be taken to our architect and designer clients so they can select flooring and cladding surfaces in comfort and safely we're kind of you know bringing the Havwood showroom experience right to them our online tools have also become increasingly popular that's the floor visualizer the inspiration library and bin store etc Obviously, we've been talking a lot with many influential persons in the design world in recent weeks, and the message is clear. Architects and designers are continuing to serve their clients in creating wonderful spaces, and the COVID crisis has really become a huge opportunity to fast forward exponential improvements in creating excellent and efficient new user experiences. We like to keep close to our design clients in order to understand the product requirements at the design and specification stage of a project, 
so that we're ready and synchronized for seamless delivery. As the product requirements are adapted and honed over time, so does our production and supply. So one year from now, so to speak, we can expect our, we, we expect to have adapted to the needs so that we can remain efficient in delivering the floor that the client's going to love absolutely seamlessly. Hello, I'm Margot Selby from Margot Selby Limited, and I'm a woven textile designer and maker. In the studio itself, we're operating, but with only one member of staff working in the studio at any one time. So that allows us to continue. It's just a little bit slower. I live in Whitstable. Um, I re relocated here to focus on the balance between work and lifestyle in 2012. And as a result of this, it's worked out really well because all my staff live walking distance. So we're able to get to work easily, social distancing, and we can be flexible with our hours and work shifts, which enables us to c continue to keep sending orders out, as well as continue with the weaving of my bespoke artwork commissions. Most of the mills who produce my fabric have closed at least temporarily, but these are starting to reopen slowly and cautiously. So this has caused some inevitable delay to some of our orders, but it hasn't come to a complete standstill. And although there have been delays, we've stayed in good communication with our clients and everyone's been really understanding of the need to wait at the moment. So it, it hasn't actually caused any problems. If anything, their projects are slowing simultaneously. I've been very lucky that my made-up accessories, cushions, throws, etc., are all made by local seamstresses in their own homes who work for me doing piecework. So these people can continue to make up my products for me as they're working alone. As the orders come in, they are still very happy to be receiving the work. As we open up again, it will be harder to have face-to-face -face meetings in the first place. My response to this is to really focus on strong visual communications using computer-aided design and really good photography so that when a customer wants to visualise something they might want to buy or to commission, it means that I can articulate my ideas in a clear visual way. I also think the ability to, sh to share samples of my products has become even more important. So I've been putting extra attention onto my process for sending samples so that the product can be really well communicated. The lockdown period is a time for tr transformation for many companies. For me personally, I'm focusing more on the hand-woven artwork side of my business and generally on the higher-end products which may be slower to produce and cost more but which are more thoughtfully considered and produced more conscientiously. I think there's real demand for more handmade and locally produced products which reflect the slowing down of the world and support the need for change to the way we treat our planet. Over the course of the next few years, I plan to reduce the range of textiles and products that I offer, but make everything much more considered. So each new textile produced really needs to hold its own, standing up for how it's been made, the concept of the design and the aesthetics themselves there won't be room for anything mediocre. Make less, make it better. My name is Robert from Robert Langford. 
we supply furniture to the interior design industry. We manufacture 55% of our product locally and it's made to order. The balance is a range of in-stock products that we deliver almost immediately. The immediate impact of COVID-19 to my production and supply chain was that um, all of our factories, our customers and our third-party delivery companies shut their doors with immediate effect. This meant that there was almost a pause pressed on the entire industry. Even orders that we had ready for delivery could not be delivered. Luckily, we did have a significant amount of in-stock items in our warehouse, so we were able to fulfil some orders during the very darkest times of the lockdown. We did find, however, that interior designers started getting quite keen on receiving their deliveries about two to three weeks into the lockdown period. These were undertaken, obviously, observing all the um, social distancing rules, and a lot of the deliveries were actually delivered into storage or into garage areas where they were initially um, quarantined before actually being taken into the homes. What are the ongoing challenges that we foresee as we begin to open up and how we will be addressing these with our interior designers? Basically, opening up again is proving to be a little bit of a bun fight, as some of our suppliers have opened at different speeds to others, making it difficult to coordinate customer orders that have been made across a selection of suppliers. And there's also a backlog of existing orders made up and clogging up our warehouse space that designers obviously aren't able to accept as yet because their sites were delayed. This is causing a little bit of a space issue, but we're getting through that. Regarding addressing the challenges with designers, it's always best to be have honest conversations and not to um, over-promise and under-deliver. As long as the designers understand the status of orders and understand how long things are going to take, they can let their customers know and hopefully everybody will be happy, which is what everybody's aiming for in the industry. How do you think the supply chain will be altered in a year from now? I do think there are going to be less lines of credit extended from us to our customers as well as our suppliers to us. There's going to be a grave nervousness with everybody because we, I do foresee about 30 to 40% of suppliers and customers not actually surviving this period of time. Um, I think we need to explore smarter ways of buying, range consolidation, which means not as wide a range of product, actually just stocking up on the things that actually sell. Um, but we also need to look for that USP that it's going to allow us to stand out in a post-pandemic industry. Um, our stock collection, which is currently sourced worldwide, will very possibly have to be sourced closer to home, which will mean that our um, better prices on that particular product will be impacted. But I think that um, the industry will start understanding then. Hello, my name is Miranda Kerwin and I'm from Tom Faulkner. Uh, Tom and I run the business together. The immediate impact um, of COVID-19 hasn't been as bad as we had feared. Uh, we've managed to keep our workshop operating by reducing our team so that everybody can work safely. The team's worked in a very focused way and managed to keep on track with production so that our lead times haven't suffered. Luckily, most of our regular and most important supplies have kept going in a similar way, so there's been no problem getting hold of essential materials and supplies. We do have a couple of Italian suppliers that did close down completely, but our stock levels were sufficient to keep us going over the two-month lockdown. Fortunately, the Italians are now open again, just in time. Um, challenges um, that I foresee um, in the immediate future 
Obviously, it's extremely difficult to plan as we just don't know what the future holds. Uh, so far, sales have held up reasonably well, but we don't know if this will continue. And so it's hard to know when to bring furloughed staff back and to gear up again. We want to be in a position to spring back into action to get on with our marketing product, product development plans. It's a time to be creative and bold, but cash flow is, of course, key, so we have to be cautious. Interior designers will be faced with customers delaying their projects and who are nervous about spending their money, particularly with small businesses. They'll need help convincing them, especially if they're not prepared to visit showrooms. We'll need to support designers even more than usual with samples, drawings, brilliant customer service. Um, interior designers are also lacking creative stimulation. They can't go to shows, events, showrooms. So we'll need to inspire them as much as we can with new photography and new product. As far as the supply chain altering in a year, a year from now, I think the main change will be an increase in people wanting to source locally, which hopefully is good news for us. Lead times could get longer due to reduced productivity caused by the redundancies, factory close, closures and reduced uh, manufacturing teams. Having said that, we've all learned a lot during this period and have found ways to be more efficient and do things slightly differently which might make us more agile and slicker in the future. My name is Martin Bennett, um, along with my business partner, Jocelyn Angrave. I run a small business called Stereo Interiors, and we supply textile wall coverings and fabrics to interior designers in the UK. So far, COVID-19 has had a limited impact on our supply chain. Um, Our materials come from a handful of specialist producers, both in the UK and overseas. And while some of these manufacturers have been closed for a period of time, they are now gradually reopening as local working restrictions are lifted. Um, There has been some loss of production capacity during this period, uh, but this has been offset by a drop in demand. And so as a consequence, um, our stock levels have remained healthy and we've been able to supply orders that have come into us. As I mentioned earlier, uh, COVID-19 has um, so far had a limited effect on our supply chain. Uh, However, as the world starts to reawaken, um, it's likely that distributors around the world will look to quickly rebuild depleted stocks. Um, And as a result, short-term production capacity may diminish. Similarly, certain raw materials such as silk and linen in particular may become harder to source uh, and prices may even start to rise. Um, So to try and address this whilst our sales volumes are lower and they may take some time to recover, uh, nonetheless we've decided not to reduce our stock levels to match that lower level of demand Um, and in fact we'll continue to invest heavily in stock Uh, thereby hopefully safeguarding supplies and as far as possible uh, stabilising prices for the foreseeable future. Other than a possible shortage of some raw materials and indeed production capacity, um, it's quite hard to anticipate all the challenges our interior design customers will have to deal with once we emerge from lockdown. Amidst sort of financial uncertainty, uh, one wonders whether you know clients will cancel or delay current or future projects, or conversely, perhaps after months of domestic imprisonment, that will release a tidal wave of new inquiries from clients desperate for a revitalised landscape at home. 
Either way, our time within the design industry has taught us that when we answer the phone or open an email, we can never really predict what's going to be asked of us. Meeting the needs of interior designers is really straightforward. It may be a simple sample request or a stock check, but it's equally just as likely to be a cry for help as something has gone wrong on site or an urgent delivery has gone missing. And so now, perhaps more than ever in this strange new world, um, the complex and demanding activity that is interior design will undoubtedly throw up challenging new issues. And we'll just continue to do what we've always tried to do, and that is to listen carefully to what our customers ask of us, and then, as far as possible, to respond sympathetically and effectively. We feel that one of the consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic is that it has genuinely prompted people to reflect on the nature of our relationship with the world, and in particular, how we are addressing, or otherwise, the issues of environment and sustainability. Over the last couple of months, many of us have discovered new forms of luxury, such as quiet roads, empty skies, clean air, and even birdsong, and we've come to value these things. Similarly, the crisis revealed through the actions of the NHS and other frontline workers, a level of collective self-sacrifice that surely challenges our sometimes seemingly all-pervasive culture of self-interest. One wonders in our post-COVID-19 world whether we'll see a recalibration of society such that more humane and equitable values will, in future, provide a stronger counterbalance to outright materialism. It's interesting to conjecture how these new dynamics might shape a new concept of luxury and what implications that has for our industry. More than ever, will the sourcing and manufacturing provenance of a material determine its use or not? Does the visual and physical longevity of a product now become of even greater importance? Will a new, more modest aesthetic replace the overtly flamboyant in a world humbled by bitter experience? Or, conversely, will a new world emerge desperate for pattern and colour after the long grey days of lockdown? If you like, a visual reaffirmation of life. In a year's time, we believe factors such as these will have compelled us to make significant changes both to our products and to how we operate as a business, and that those changes will be ongoing and irreversible in a much changed, and let's hope, better world. In the context of the environment and sustainability, we have already started implementing change. Some of these changes can, we hope, make a big difference. Uh, for example, by the end of 2020, we will have moved all our manufacturers' shipments away from air freight to either road or sea. This could potentially increase some supply lead times by three weeks or even more. And so we've acquired additional storage in order to create a buffer stock that will offset the impact of this move. Other measures may have less of an obvious impact. For example, in future when we receive goods into our warehouse, if the factory packaging has remained in good condition after shipment, then, rather than repacking everything in stereo-branded cartons, we'll reuse the original packaging to ship on to our customers. It's a small change, but we hope that the cumulative effect of such measures, both large and small, 
across our whole industry will ultimately make a real difference. Thank you so much to all the suppliers for their contributions. In listening to their responses, it occurs to me that there is a recurring theme running through their diverse thoughts, namely that despite the current and future difficulties we are all facing, the key to survival is people. Clever, thoughtful, ingenious people who communicate effectively and work together to meet the challenges posed by a rapidly changing business environment and an uncertain future. These will be the companies that will grow and thrive in tomorrow's post-COVID-19 world. Well said, Susie. I could not agree more. You can find the interior design business on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and on-demand services everywhere. We're on Twitter at IntDesignPod and on Instagram and Facebook at Interior Design Business Pod. This episode of the Interior Design Business is a Wildwood production.